Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. this morning I'm starting a series on sons, daughters, and the kingdom. And it's really, it's a life message for me. I think this is something that I'm learning from year to year, day to day, week to week, moment by moment of truly keeping my heart back to an understanding that I'm a son. Everybody in this room, if you're a believer in the church, if you say I'm a Christian and I, if I could say something, I believe that a lot of times there are a lot of senos in the room. I believe that in, in, in culture, those that call themselves, maybe not in this room, but we're Christian in name only, but we don't have a life that backs it up. And I think that really at the core of who we are as believers is, is we're truly sons and daughters. Yes, we believe in Jesus, but that actually is an invitation, if I could, to bring us closer. Uh, because father is a term of endearment. When you call him, maybe you look at him the way that you look at your natural father, and, and we can't do that. Even as great as my natural dad was so good to me, and he was, uh, y'all have heard me tell the stories of how great he was to me. My family, my mom, it was just, I, I grew up in a, a really healthy family. I, I still had some things that I looked, the way I looked at my natural dad, I looked at the, the heavenly father, and you can't. And the kingdom is all about, I would say that in the kingdom of God, the, gro- the greater that you grow in it really moves at the speed of your relationship with the Father. Your relationship to the Father and also the relationship to the children of God. Your love for God is measured in how much you love others. We know that. And some people uh, may not have the perspective. When you come to scripture, you have to look at it from the understanding of sonship. You have to, when I say son- sonship, uh, ladies, we embrace it just as much, men, we've got to embrace it like we are the bride of Christ, right? So we're, it's considered we're sons and daughters into the kingdom. But Jesus, when he's teaching his disciples how to pray, what's the first two words? Our Father. It's a term of endearment. And only sons and daughters can call him Father. Maybe, I don't have time to preach this message, but maybe you uh, or, or more of an orphan thinking in your mindset when it pertains to the, to the Father and things of the kingdom. Orphans cling to things tight. They, they believe there's not enough to go around, so they cling and hold to everything that they get. But sons and daughters in the kingdom, we live like this. We have to. When People will come into our lives, and people will leave from our lives. We may step into seasons with others in our life, and we may leave, but it's an understanding I live like this. We have to live like this. And whenever the temple... Curtain was torn from top to bottom. That somewhat six foot thick curtain. Whenever Jesus, res- uh, when he died on the cross, the scripture says that the temple veil was ripped from top to bottom, which was saying that first off, that hey, I'm the Lord. I am, I am tearing apart the separation from my presence to my people. I want this to get out. 
because you understand behind that temple curtain in the holiest of holies was the Ark of the Covenant that held the presence of the Lord. And, and it ripped from top to bottom and his presence was dispersed. And then we see the moving of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts chapter 2 and the presence of God is dispersed to all believers. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was just, it was there and it was available to all that would call on him. So what I want to talk on this morning, this first part of the series is presence. I want to talk about the presence of God because the presence of God uh, is what identifies me as a son or a daughter. And if you do have your Bibles, I've got, I'll have two scripture verses that we'll go into. But the book of Romans begins to talk about this. Romans 8, Romans 8, 14 and verse 19. Those are two verses that I'll look at. But as you're turning there, understand that sonship, uh, daughterhood in the kingdom, it's, it's more than just a name. It's a position. It, it's... Somebody, you might be in the room, you might be a doctor, you might be a teacher. That's not who you are, it's what you do. You have to understand, and, I, and listen, this is going to be very practical. I want to get to the foundational level because it's from this place that if you ever establish this, this can squash insecurities, it can squash the spirit of jealousy, envy, uh, all of those things. You've got to understand who you are and who you belong to. That is the foundation of who you are. I am, I am uh, what I do is a pastor, but who I am is I'm a son. So you have to establish that first and foremost in your life or you'll always be. And listen, God didn't create another you in the earth. So you gotta be the best you you can possibly be because there's something great that you bring to your family, to the body of Christ that nobody else can bring. You're so unique that even your fingerprint is, is, is there's no one like yours in all of the earth. So it's important that imperative that you step into this, but you don't step into your purpose until you first understand how to, how to be aware and be, become acquainted with the presence of God. That should be your primary focus. And sonship is a position. Not only is it a position, but it positions you for something, right? You first have to get into position and understand who you are, and then from that place, you function out of that place. And what is that called? It's a life of significance and value. And I love, I don't read much as I used to in the Passion Translation, but Brian Simmons wrote there in the book of Proverbs, and I love his version of the Proverbs, but the parables and the things that's mentioned in the book of Proverbs are for the purpose of helping you to reign in life. Not that you sit on a throne, but it's to understand your position as a son or a daughter, and from that place, use the wisdom that God fills you with, with solutions to problems around you, not for your glory, but so that that, so that the kingdom can expand. And so it's, it's, a, it's a reason for us to reign in life is as a son. He wants you to reign in life. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to prosper. I'm not here, I'm not here to talk about all, I'm just saying, that's a result or a secondary consequence of your learning who you are, the position that you're set in, so that you can see his kingdom propagated or perpetuated throughout the earth. That's his goal. His presence for us, sons and daughters, if I could call you that this morning, not just believers, but let's just take, I know it's, we're believers and we love Jesus, but let's take it a step further as sons and daughters. Our true north in the kingdom is his presence. When you feel that you've drifted, you feel that, first off, there's no separation between, and I, bear with me because this is gonna be unlike any way that I've ever taught. Uh, and it's gonna be more of a, t of a teaching series, but his presence for me Whenever everything is chaos and struggle, my question to those in the room that have consistently lived in that is have you forgot your true north? 
Have you not stepped back away from the world and shut things out and come into his presence? I'm telling y'all, that's my safe place. I have to get into his presence. The psalmist says that in your presence is what? Fullness of joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasure forevermore. So my goal and my desire is to establish the true north. And if your compass is jacked up and you're not having a true north of getting into the presence of God, which is God himself, I love what Carol Wimber said. She said, don't seek for the power of God. Seek to get into his presence, his presence, his face. Because out of his face and out of his presence flows power, flows provision, flows purpose, flows all of these other things. But it's the Christian priority. Matthew 6, What? Seek first. Just like Proverbs establishes that wisdom is the principal thing. Jesus says in the New Testament, seek first. The kingdom of God. Well, what's God's kingdom? Because we're going to talk about that as we go further. The kingdom of God is God's dominion. It's God's domain. It's where God resides. It's when he breaks through us and establishes his rule through his children in the earth because his way is always better. It's always countercultural. It doesn't look according to the culture. Jesus is different. What did he say? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He didn't say, say yes to me and everything's going to be peachy. So as sons and daughters, we establish a foundation, and I'll go a little bit deeper in this in a couple of weeks, but you got to establish trust. Can I just teach it to you the way I feel it this morning? you got to establish trust. The problem is, is that many of us don't trust God to say who he says he is. The problem is, is that we hit these seasons, and I hit it just a few weeks ago, uh, more than a few weeks ago, probably about a couple months ago, and the Lord brought me back to True North. God, I feel rejected. I feel abandoned. I feel like everything's falling apart. That's probably my prayer, uh, at least every other week. You know, you come in. Not really. But you hit those seasons, right? Come on, I, I, I'm not perfect. I don't know how you pray. But I hit those seasons when everything, the wheels feel like it's coming off. I don't know how to step into the next day. I'm, I, I reach out to my intercessors. I need prayer. And so you feel like everything's falling apart. But you, that's how you feel. But you gotta come back to word. If I, if I can't hear him speaking to me about something, then I got to go back to his written word. Because he speaks, right? Rhema, fresh word, and he speaks logos, right? So I get into the Psalms and start reading till he speaks. There was a great general in the faith that taught me that. I just read until he starts speaking to me. And then I find out that I'm not the only one that's felt rejected, abandoned. Feels like losses at every turn. And then I come back and I say, God, that's how I feel. Forgive me for whatever, but I know that's not your nature. And that's maturity is becoming a son or a daughter. You come back and say, but I, I know God. That's not who you are because your word tells me otherwise, right? You have to follow up with that, all right? Because out of his presence comes my direction, comes clarity, comes vision, comes purpose, comes identity, comes peace, comes power. It's out of the presence of God. Everything you need is in it, right? Everything you need is in it. And he chose you to live inside. He chose you because Romans 8 says this, for those who are led. Does it say for those who say, Jesus, come in my life? I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just reading scripture. For those who are led. So yes, I make a commitment, but I get up every day with a commitment. I need you to lead me today. Not only are you my savior, because everybody wants a savior like Jesus, don't they? But not, ever, not everybody wants him as Lord. That means he takes over everything. That means you submit that means you yield. That means you surrender. But you can't do it 
just simply from sonship. You can't, you, you can't separate the two. Surrender, being yielded, and submission shouldn't be done because somebody told you to. It, it ought to be because the Spirit of God that is in you is the inward witness testifying, yes, you are a child of God. The presence of God is the spirit of adoption. <laughs> Forgive me. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For the creation waits. I love this. Man, it's so good. Give me the next verse, Madison, if you would. For creation waits. You know what I think waits looks like? It looks like watching the end of a Tom Brady game when he lets the other team catch up. And I can't hardly sleep. I turn the TV off, go to my bedroom, and turn on the app because I don't want to hear what the broadcasters are saying about the, gre the greatest quarterback to ever play. So I'm sitting there, and I, Chris was like, you did, and I turn, if they start, I'm turning it off. Man, I can't believe that. Can you believe what he just did? They wait. Creation's waiting in eager expectation. All around us, the earth is groaning and it, moaning and travailing for what? The manifestation of the children of God to be revealed. Savannah, the earth is waiting for your revelation as a son or a daughter. Not for what you can do, but for who you are. Because if you learn who you are, you know how to do. Mary was so successful because she learned how to sit at the feet of Jesus. And Martha was in the kitchen serving sandwiches that Jesus never ordered. And he said, Martha, Martha, you're concerned about much, but Mary has chosen the best thing. She's sitting at my feet. She's receiving revelation life. She's learning. She's understanding so that she knows how to do. So if I sit and be, I can learn how to do. I got to move forward. But encountering the presence of God this morning in this house is what opens the door for sonship. That opens the door. And you got to honor, if I could say this, just to insert, you got to honor the point. I can look across the room. I cannot feel, I can be dry as a powder house right here on the front row. And I'm still, I mean, I'm, thank you, Lord. And then I'll look across the room and I'll find somebody in the room. So don't feel bad if I look at you. I'm just, I'm pulling on what you've already got. But I'll see the presence of God touch you. And then I'll say, God, thank you for touching them. Give them more. And I receive too. So I learned how to honor the point. And that goes just as much in that as it does in the blessing and materialistic things. God, thank you for blessing them with a new house. Thank you for their, their vehicles paid off. Thank you for that raise, that promotion. God, I received too. Listen, if we can learn to honor, whatever we honor begins to increase. Side note. So we read this. These two verses will be our base foundational verses for the next three weeks as we talk about sonship and um, Moses, I want to pull from the story of Moses so you can now flip to Exodus chapter 33. And I'll be there for the remainder of, uh, of today. But in Exodus chapter 33, the scripture is clear, begins to talk about Moses as an, in, in his encounter with the glory of the Lord. And in the Old Testament, we don't have available to us what they did in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, Moses went up and spent 40 days on a mountain and God gave him a blueprint for the tabernacle and for a, a box called the Ark of the Covenant, which was to hold the presence of the Lord. And the children of Israel were led by fire at night and a cloud by day. And before Moses begins to become this leader of a great nation, understand first that Moses was, I don't want to say, he was a sinful man. He killed somebody and went on the run. He was a vagabond. He was a, a fugitive on the run from Egypt. And so 40 years he's in the de desert running. 
And Moses is one day walking. You know the story. He's walking in the, in the wilderness one day, and he looks over, and he sees a bush, and it's burning. It's, it's, it's on fire. It's not uncommon in their day, as it was dry in arid areas. But Moses is walking by. He sees the bush, and he, I can only imagine that he stops and looks and just watches it and says, wait a second. I'm sure he can see it from a distance because as he got up and says, this thing's not being consumed. And the scripture says that the angel of the Lord, not a angel, so that speaks to me of Jesus, was revealing himself in the bush. And the scripture says that Moses then turned aside. He said, I'll now turn aside and see this great sight. So as he turns, his revelation, God's revelation of who he was to him, of this supernatural phenomena, he turns aside to this site. And then out of his obedience or out of his curiosity, could I say, uh, all of that, all of a sudden God begins to speak. And I, and I love what the Lord begins to speak to Moses. He says, first off, take off your sandals for the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. Then he said, this is what I love. He says, he says, I am the God He could have stopped there and said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, but I am the God of your father. I am the God of your father. So there is an, it's an inserting place to me of where the Lord is saying, there's an invitation here to sonship. There's an invitation to a son or a daughter. And from that place, it says, goes on to say, uh, the Lord begins to speak to Moses, give him directions and things like that. And from that place, uh, begins to grow an intimate relationship between God and Moses. And even much so that we see here in Exodus chapter uh, excuse, yeah, 33 and verse 11, it says, the Lord would speak face to face with Moses as a, as a man would speak with his friend. There is this intimate connection that they have. And what I believe is that the Lord had revealed himself not only as Yahweh to Moses, which means the Lord your God, but he revealed himself. He could have said, like I said, to me it stood out. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, I am the God of your father. So he's saying, look, I'm coming to father my people. I believe that from the very beginning of time, we see it, that the, the first establishment of increase, of breakthrough, and all that stuff was established in the Garden of Eden because the Lord... Uh, created Adam and Eve, and, and in the kingdom, there's no grandchildren, so understand that. It's, you can't, and you heard it last Sunday, you can't live off the breadcrumbs of your, your mom and your dad, your grandmother's prayer life. You can't, you can't hang on to their coattail. It's gotta be established between you and him. And when you learn that it comes from, Holy Spirit in me identifies that I'm a son or I'm a daughter. And so I have to, I have to understand, I have to get that. That's ground zero for us, and pull, pull, pull close to it. But here in, in verse, let, let's just go ahead and read. Verse 12, it says, Moses said to them, said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. Now Moses has pitched a tent and he, co- he goes into it and the scripture says that the glory of the Lord would come and it would enter that tent and all of a sudden he would speak face to face with Moses and Moses would have conversation. And now you, when you read the dialogue and when you listen to, it's like this guy's got relationship with the Lord. Some of us, we come crawling and groveling before, oh God, please, just this, I know you're busy up there. And that, by the way, that's not true. I know you, you're busy with, and, and I, I'm, I'm asking you, some, I'm just needing this little bit of something if you would come through for me. No. Has your children, if you've got children, do they, do they come to you begging and grovel? Well, maybe I should rephrase that. Sometimes it depends on what they're wanting. But they have open access to you. They can walk into your, they can come in and get stuff out of your refrigerator, throw their clothes off and leave them in the floor. 
Probably not a good one as well, because anyway, I'm still a child in some aspects. But they can, they can come and do whatever. They have access, and they don't, they don't even think nothing about it. There is, a, there is a peace in that home. They know they have open access to you. So Moses here in this conversation, I just had to stop for just a moment and point that out. But Moses goes on to tell the Lord. He says, you've been telling me. Lead these people. First off, they complain. They're always griping. Their shoes hadn't wore out for 35 years. And they're just always moaning and groaning and playing. You've told me to lead these people. And he says, but you've not let me to know whom you will send with me. So Moses says, I am not doing this by myself. Son, daughter, in the kingdom, you are not doing this by yourself. Come on now, I'm serious. How many times have we said, oh, I, 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 yeah, I believe it, but then take a hold of the plow and do it ourselves? Now, I'm preaching to myself, okay, because I'm right there with you, because it all is out of the place of trust. Trust is the foundation of this thing. But Moses goes on to say, he said, you, you have said, Lord, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. And then he goes on to say, he says, if you're pleased with me, Lord, Teach me your ways so that I may know you. That's not just to, just to walk in, introduce yourself to somebody. There is something connected to that. It's deeper than just the English language struggles with that, but it's deeper than that. It's an intimate revelational knowledge of that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation, Lord, is your people. It goes on to say, the Lord says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, Listen, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. First off, how many times have we sought for the principles of man and not the presence of God and made decisions? Come on, I'm serious. Moving, whether it's to another church, maybe it's another location, another region, whether it's taking that job or stepping into a relationship that God didn't call you to step into, hello? Hello? And they've done nothing but drain the life out of you, suck the life out of you. Every time you get around them, it's, oh, woe is me. Everything's horrible. Well, you're awful too, you know, back and forth. And God didn't call you to walk with them in relationship. He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Some of us, the reason why we don't have rest is because we haven't come back into the true north as what we're called to be is in the presence of the Lord. Out of that place, God gives you rest. Moses goes on to say, and I love this verse, and I'll teach a little bit more on this probably next week, but it says, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with me? So in other words, people around us, how are they going to know that you're with us if you're not with us? What else will distinguish, that's really important, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So obviously, evidently, there's a mark upon the children of Israel because of the presence of the Lord that was upon them. We understand that when they disobeyed and they walked away and found other gods or other distractions in their culture that was all around them. We talk about how paganistic our culture is right now. That I mean, it's, it's been here. It's been around. Maybe it's becoming more aware to people. But in this culture and in that day, the children of Israel would, would stray, would step away, and then they would find themselves in a predicament 
where they had kind of, I know God kept his hand upon them, but could I say in this day, so many times we make decisions, walk away from the presence of the Lord, walk away from our true identity as sons and daughters, and then we, we, we welcome destruction into our lives because of our disobedience. It's not the Lord punishing you. You've just removed yourself from what you ought to be walking in. And when you move yourself from that umbrella, guess what happens? You can walk into destruction. Bad decisions take place. Things begin to fall apart because guess what? He, we're held together in him. I love the apostle Paul that says, it's in you I live and move and have my being. You hold me together. And so I've got to learn the art of learning to walk, move, and have my being in the kingdom as a son, as a daughter, because it's from that place. If I'll establish it, the spirit of offense can't attach itself to my life because I look and I say, well, there's people that have orphan thinking, people that, that they, they haven't understood whose they are, so they don't know how to function properly, right? It's from that place that I learn. And I love the way that Moses says, what else is going to distinguish us? In other words, we're ordinary without you on our lives. But with you on our lives and with you directing us, we're extraordinary. That points that there is a God. Same with us. Same with us. I don't want to be a Christian in name only. Yes, I am a believer and I'm a Christian. But at the heart of who I am, that ties me as an endearment statement is, God, I am your son. And I thank you. Not only are you my father, you're God and you're holy, which means that you're unlike any other. So when I approach you, I do so not nonchalantly. I don't come to you with a common. I, God does not incur common gazes. He doesn't incur common gazes. People that are struck by what he's doing in the earth, people that have seen a sign, people that have seen a wonder, people that watches the miracle of salvation and happen in somebody that has been walking this way and all of a sudden they 180 and start walking. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. It's a sign. It's a wonder. Back this up just a little bit. There in the very, uh, verse 13 Moses begins to talk to the Lord and he says, if you are pleased with me, this is one of my favorite prayers, not if you're pleased with me because he is pleased with you. He is. Look at Jesus. He is our elder big brother, right? What's the scripture say about Jesus when it is baptism? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Before he worked the first miracle, before he did anything, before he became who he was to manifest himself to Israel, at first he was a son accepted and embraced so I think it's a sign to you as well. But he says, if you are pleased with me, show me, teach me your ways, your kingdom. Teach me how you function. Teach me, teach me what I'm supposed to be doing. And he goes on to say that, that I would know you and find favor. And this, if I could just take two points for the next few moments. One of the first things, it's talking about the presence of the Lord, is, is developing and learning to cultivate Awareness. Awareness to the presence of God is if people, let me ask you a question. All across the room, you can, if you would lift your hand, have you ever felt like God's forgot about you or you're by yourself? Probably almost everybody in the room. And we know that it's impossible, right? Because the scripture speaks of him as being what? He's um he's um uh, omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. But there are these times, God, I know that you're everywhere at all times, but I need you to manifest yourself. I need you to feel tangible. I need to feel you. I need to know. I know I'm reading scripture and I hold on to it, but I need you to show. I need you to manifest. And so there's times when we say, and I'll say, come Holy Spirit. Well, that's almost impossible because he's in the room. What I'm saying is, AJ, become aware that the Holy Spirit is in the room. Be aware that he's with you. Holy Spirit, come. 
AJ, become aware to yourself. I'm speaking to myself. Come aware. And so when we say Holy Spirit come in the room, everybody's heart of affection has to shift and say, oh, I know you're here. I know you're real. You're more real than the ground I'm standing on. You're more real than the air that I'm breathing in. You're more real than anything that I see. You're real. And so we have to become aware. But we only cultivate awareness that would appear in church services and on Wednesday nights and on small group meetings when we come together. And we gather in his name. And I believe there's a greater measure of the increase of his presence, I believe, in corporate gatherings. But we have to cultivate an awareness personally at home in our personal lives, in our vehicle, in moments in our job. There was a, a year and a half there where I would set my reminder on my phone at, at two o'clock every day and it would say, become aware. And so that, that reminder would go off. I would be in my office. That's when I was in the office over there. I'd be in my office and I would stop. I would lift my hands and I wouldn't feel a thing. I'd just say, God, thank you, Father, for your presence right now. I, just, I was cultivating awareness. And I did, I, I used Apple to do it. I set a reminder and just, but cult, you got to cultivate it. You have to, it's, it's not so much as we say stir it up. It's turning your heart of affections too. You turn your heart of affection personally. And we do it in a, in a corporately. That's why it's important to corporately engage in worship. Because you're in the room with sons and daughters. And don't you think that the father wants to be in the room with his children. He wants you to be touched. He wants you to get the breakthrough that you're needing. He wants you to be favored when you go out into culture. Not for your own personal gain. But so that people can look and say, man, just as Moses said, if you don't go with us, how will any, you're, you're the distinguishing mark on us that, you're, that we're the most blessed people on earth. And you understand that you've been grafted into the kingdom. You've been adopted by the Spirit of the Holy Spirit. You've been adopted. You've been grafted in. And we have ties back to Abraham. And if you study Abraham and you look to the blessing that was upon his life, it would shift your mentality of poverty. In poverty, you can't pray to break it. You have to give to break it. You become obedient and you listen and he speaks and you give. It doesn't matter what he speaks, you give. That's how you break poverty. But Abraham did not walk in poverty. He did not walk in curses. Abraham walked in blessing, greater increase in heaps, heaps upon heaps upon heaps of blessing. And we're tied to that. The children of God are tied to that. Are you with me this morning? You're not falling asleep yet, are you? I'm sorry. If I'm putting you to sleep, God, for Lord, deal with them right now. So why are we unaware? Look at it. Let's think about it. Why are you unaware of the presence of the Lord? Because we think of ourselves, fears and worries. Oh, my goodness. You come week three, we're going to deal with peace. Week three, we're going to dive deep into it. But we worry, we fear, we doubt about things that won't happen. I'll just go ahead and say it. They're not going to happen. Some of you that are living in fear, in the name of Jesus, those situations will not happen. We have a, we, we, we have a, the enemy would like to paint a faux picture of all the destruction that's coming into your future. And I just declare that right now, as a son, as a daughter, God, we have, we have uh, an elder brother in Jesus. I know he's Savior, but at the same time, he demonstrated for us to walk in peace and not anxiety, not in fear. I don't have to worry about it's coming next month. I've got provision because man doesn't provide for me. You provide for me, Lord. Come on, some of you, you're tied to your provision and your job. It's great. Go and do as what you do unto the Lord, but let God provide for you. I promise you he will. He's never let us down, has he? He's always given more than enough. My goodness, I'm so thankful. What we, we think of ourselves, the urgent, the tyranny of the urgent it be, begins to take our lives and take, take effect on our personal world. We let things that scream, we let phones, we let emails, we let uh, next door neighbors and family, God help us all, begin to scream out at us. Mom, that's not you, you're awesome, I love you, uh, thank you. 
But we let the tyranny of the urgent begin to take and pull our awareness from who God is. And we allow the picture of what's going on in the political climate that started back here, and all of a sudden it's right here. And that's all we see, everywhere we turn. You know that a present is, a, is, a, is precious in the eye of the beholder. That can flip and go two ways. Holy Spirit, you're my precious gift. But all of a sudden, media. That's, that's Proverbs, by the way. Media. Oh, everywhere I turn. Oh, it's just pandemic. Everywhere that I turn. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Everywhere that I turn. Everywhere that I turn. That's all we see because that's what we're aware of. What if you begin to turn that stuff off? You begin to lift your eyes and say, you've called me to set my eyes on things above, not on things of this earth, and I'm gonna start ruling from my position as a son. I'm gonna start changing the climate of my home. We're not turning that mess on. We're not engaging in anything that's demonic in, in this season. Now, I know we're stepping into Halloween. I'm not gonna dive deep into this, but I'm gonna make sure there's not an influence in my home that has my attention more than his presence. Come on, I'm talking to you this morning. I feel this in my bones. I, I was so excited to preach this morning because I'm excited about being a son. I know I have access. I know there's an invitation to a table in the presence of enemies. And all I got to do is pull up a chair and sit down and start feasting and watch those demons start shaking because there's something on me that the world can't conquer. There's something in me. The scripture talks about, what does it say in the book of 1 John? Greater is he that's in me than what? He that's in the world, so guess I'm a conqueror. But I have to live a life that's conducive to it. I can't be a believer in name only, Christian in name only. My foundation is that I'm a son. Your foundation is that you're a daughter. And that's where it starts. From that place, fruit begins to produce. Look at people's fruit in this season. That's all I'm gonna say. Your fruit produces who you believe in and what you, how you feel. Out of the abundance of the mouth, social media speaks. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I Really, I, that was stupid. I shouldn't have done that, Father. I've been around Pastor Tony too long, and, you know, he just stirs the pot, stirs everything inside of me that's Pentecostal. Come on, somebody. So anyway, we always reflect the nature of the world we're most aware of. What world are you aware of this morning? I'm digging into week, week three and I can't go too deep. If the world around you is one of chaos, if it's of confusion, it's if, if it's of, of sin and unbelief, and that reality is what's captured your attention, it will show on your countenance and on your face and in your finances and in your home. It'll show on your children. Guess what? It don't just stop with you, mom and dad. It shows through your children. We've learned some stuff and I'm just still young in it. I ain't talking to nobody that's got teenagers. I am not gonna eat my words. So I'm just telling you, I ain't doing it. Got wisdom. I've been reading Proverbs every day. God, fill me with wisdom. Whew. Here's the deal. On cultivating awareness, you have to. You do it. The children of, of Israel, listen to this. They told Moses because they were freaked out to see the fire on the mountain. Run, boys, run, right? They saw fire on the mountain. Jesus said, don't let them come touch, or excuse me, God said, don't let them come touch the mountain. They touch it, they're gonna die. Moses is on the mountain in the glory of God where the sons and the daughters are supposed to be. We're supposed to be living in that, Kim. Did you know that? We're supposed to be living in that. That's our, that's, and we have something greater than what he had. That's what Paul says. And so he's on the mountain. He comes down. The Lord says, Moses, I want this nation, Exodus 19, I want this nation to become a nation of priests. I want them all 
to become priests unto me. Not just the Levites, I want the nation. But because they freaked out, they were scared, because guess what, can I give this to you in awareness? Here's the problem, so many of us wanna follow at a distance. Peter followed at a distance after his denial. He wanted to stay close, but he didn't wanna get in it. He didn't wanna get close enough to where he could die for it. Come on, stay with me. I'm, on, I'm, I'm, I'm about to land this airplane. He wanted to get close, but he didn't want to get one that could be indicted with Jesus, even though he said, I will go die with you. So he follows at a distance. Here's the thing. Andrew and those of you sitting on the back row, you can look at me, and I'll just say, I'll probably look pretty good from a distance. Now, I'm not being there, but the closer you get, everything changes, right? You come standing right here and look at me like, Man, your beard's out of whack. Your nose has got some things going on there. Your hair's a little jacked up. You're sweating all over. Under this corduroy jacket that my mom ruined me over as a kid of corduroy. If I just speak that while I'm in here. Those emerald green corduroys. And I said I would never do it again. Well, guess what? Here I am. But from a distance, you can look at me and see the color of clothes that I'm wearing. You can see some facial features. You see that I have a beard. But the closer that you come, the closeness, there's details. Moses was in God's presence and he knew the details. He, was a, he began to walk in awareness. God, if you don't speak to me and tell me how to lead these people, I'm not going to know how to do it. Amen. But the closer that you become to God, the more understanding you have of him. You can't follow him at a distance and when, when a hell breaks loose, begin to cast judgment and say, oh no, this is the way. No, no, no. You don't, you, don't, you don't get that right. When I walk in intimacy with him and I'm aware of him and every aspect of my life, the details become so clear and so vivid. So whenever stuff begins to shake and rattle and roll and fall apart, I come back to where I left and I spend time with him because then he begins to speak to me because here's the thing. Moses knew Excuse me, the children of Israel knew what God was doing. They had a knowledge of what God was doing. Knowledge is a dime a dozen. On your phone right now, you can pull up and find anything you want to. Fake news or right news, right? Anything you want, it's on the web. And I think that's the problem. A lot of people, they go to Google before they go to God. And so, the problem herein lies is that we have a knowledge of God, like the children of Israel, but we don't, we're not supposed to walk like that. Gage, we're called to walk with God in intimacy. So Moses knew the ways of God. Children of Israel knew the acts of God. They had a knowledge, but Moses had a wisdom. Because you can't, wisdom is knowledge applied rightly. Moses knew the ways of God. He knew why God do what he was doing. He knew that. Because there was an intimate acquaintance there. And my last thing, my last thing. Well, excuse me, let me, one last, let me give you three things. These are three things to help you in your process of cultivating awareness with the Lord. You ready? Past, what has he done for you? You can just jot those down. In your past, what has he done for you? Stir that up. Demetri, if you would, come. Second thing, present. What is he currently doing for you? Oh, I can't think of anything around. Oh, you got food on your table, right? Again, I'll say this one more time. How many of you missed a meal last year out of your own choosing? I'm just saying. Clothes on your back, got a vehicle, most of us. And the third thing, what has he promised? It's not future. I guess it is in a sense. But what's the promises God's made you? And you hold to those. So I look to what he did. 
I hold to what he's currently doing and I look to the future. Moses said, teach me that I would know your ways and continue to find favor with you. He spoke of being acquainted with the Lord. That's what he spoke of. I'm, I'm, I want to be intimately acquainted with you. So not only do I walk in awareness, I continue to increase my ability to become acquainted with God. Here it is, and I'll close. The scripture talks about, in the book of Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. All right? Some of us are walking through a season right now where we can't see the goodness of God. We can't feel the goodness of God. We don't have a, there's nothing showing that God is good. We, some of us are, and that's our perspective. Come back to word. I'm just telling you, come back to the word of the Lord. Lord, your word says taste. What does taste mean? That's to experience. So when I taste, I experience him. I encounter him. How long has it been since some of us in this room has actually had an encounter with the Lord? When's the last time that you had an experience with him that altered everything that you are? You got to keep your experiences current. I'm telling you, or you will burn out and you'll just not attend church or you won't attend small groups or you won't be with anybody because your experiences testify of his goodness. And see, what is see? That's perception, right? So I experience and I, and I have a perception that the Lord is good. Your encounter with God's presence shapes your theology of who he is. And if you would, stand to your feet. And I'll leave you with a quote. A.W. Tozer, I loved his preaching in the gospel. And the way he talked, he was bold, very intelligent. But he said, the most important thing that a believer can do is think rightly about God. The most important thing that you can do in the kingdom and as a son, as a daughter, is to think rightly about God. Your experiences with the Lord, maybe it's in a church service, maybe it's at home in your prayer closet, reading his word, whatever it is, your experiences with him shapes your theology. And we all are theologians to a, to a degree, I'll just tell you. We're all studying about God. That's what it means, the study of God. We're studying to come closer, studying to know who he is, not just to know about him, but to know him. Because as a son, as a daughter, I'm called to walk in presence. Listen, I have prayed that this message, more than any message that we actually grab a hold of in this season and come back to, is to understand the foundational truth of Scripture, that I am a son and I am a daughter. It fixes a thousand lesser issues, I'm telling you. If you have a prayer life, and you cultivate it, it'll fix a thousand lesser issues. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a prayer life? Is it consistent? Do you read your Bible on a daily basis? You understand that that's called manna gathering. Children of Israel had to gather it every day. It wasn't just one day would feed them for the rest of the week. They had to gather it every day, every day. That's starting to see God in the details. You come closer. I know some of you are tired more out this morning, but lift your hand. If you say, I want to see him in the details. I need to see him in the details. Listen, I'm going to pray for a prayer of impartation upon your life. I don't have this figured out. I'm just one of the children looking for bread. I'm one like you that is looking for more because I know there's more available. I know there's a greater measure. I know the prophet has prophesied and said there's more and there's more now. So guess what? I want it. And when somebody's hungry, the scripture, the proverb says that a hungry mouth drives them on. 
I'm hungry. I want more. Whatever's on us, God, increase it. I need more. So if you would, dim the lights for just a moment. I want to start right here. You put your hands down for just a moment. I want to ask the question, are there any in this room that have yet to say, Jesus, I surrender all to you, and I want to serve you, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. I want you from here on out. Come on, bow your heads, close your eyes. Is there anybody in the room that say today, I give my life to Christ today? I'm surrendering. Anybody in this room? You can just lift your hand. I'm not going to call you to the front. I just want to pray with you. God bless you. I see the hand there. Bless you. Bless you. Daughter, anybody else? And right now in this moment, maybe some of you, you need to return back to the place of your first love, and that's the presence of Jesus. You need to recommit your life to the Lord and say, God, I have been away. I've been a daughter. I've been a son that have walked out from the house, and I'm returning. It's when the prodigal son got hungry that he realized, I can go back to my father's house and find food. Come on. There's power in that. So I lift, lift your hand if you want to recommit your life to the Lord this morning. and Say, I'm coming back to the throne room. I'm coming back to the Father's house. I'm coming back here. I'm coming back now. So, Father, as these are praying, come on, just ask him, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I've been missing the mark, and I'm sorry. And Holy Spirit, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, and the Scripture says that your Spirit leads me. So I welcome you to come lead me this morning. Lead me. That identifies that I'm a son or a daughter is, is you leading me, not me making my own decisions. I yield. I surrender. I submit. I trust in you with all of my heart and not lean on my own understanding. In all of my ways, God, from this point moving forward, I'm going to acknowledge you in every situation. In the name of Jesus. And then for those of you that says, I want a closer look, lift your hands right now. I'm going to pray for the greater measure of the Lord to come upon you. I get it. It's 1026. But I, I am not going to rush the moving of God. This morning, I, I do want to say, if you, if you feel like you need to step out, you need to leave, you're free to leave. But right now, we're fixing to just go for a little bit and welcome the presence of God to touch our lives because we all need you more, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands before the Lord. You're saying, park it right here, God. Put more on me right here. I love your presence. I love you. I'm here to cultivate more awareness. What Pastor AJ's talking about, I'm asking that my heart, as the scripture says, the psalmist says, God, I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. Enlarge my heart for what, Lord? Supernatural love for you and supernatural love for my family, for this community. God, my, my love for you is measured in my love for your people. I come to serve you. I come to sit at your feet this morning, Father. You're my dad. You're Abba, as the scripture says, you're Papa. So I sit at your feet and I receive. I pray, Father, that you would release an impartation over this people right now. Not for me, from the presence of the Lord. Let the presence of God begin to touch this people. I pray that it manifests in this moment. You would feel His love. You would, if you're needing love, some of you today have experienced so much rejection and abandonment in your life. And the Father's here to wrap you up and pull you close and say, I am right here. I have never left. All you got to do is know, know, taste, taste, experience, and see that I am good. I am a good Father. Jesus said he would not leave you as orphans. He would come to you. In the name of Jesus, that orphan thinking mentality is broken in this room because the Father is here. I thank you for the spirit of adoption, Lord, touching your children. Mindsets. God, we repent to be saved, but I'm praying right now that we would repent to see the kingdom come. That's what the promise was. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
your way of doing things, your house, your will. In the name of Jesus, receive this morning. Just a couple of more moments, just receive. In the name of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.